bottles are saying five, so we're not going to have church service tonight, just for everybody's safety. Um, and the ground's already frozen, so any moisture that hits that ground is going to freeze. So no service tonight. And the next Sunday night at 6 p.m. is our annual business meeting. So there won't be, instead of having a service, we're having our annual business meeting. So if you are a member, just remember that. Also outside, if you've given to the church, your tax papers are out there. you got a little envelope out there. Please look through there with your name uh, out on the foyer table. Um, on another note, um, uh, Donna Phelps' uh, funeral, if, if many of you guys know Donna Phelps, it's going to be at the Griffin Funeral Home on Tuesday at 10.30, and, uh, and we're going to provide some food for them, so we've already done that, so just a reminder about that. And also, if you saw the fans out here, um, we, we have an issue with our sprinkler systems, and then so I'm going to ask that you guys pray for our sprinkler systems in the church. So And just keep us in prayer on that as we go through it. So uh, for right now, the nursery is going to be over here. So if you'll go out the door and the nursery is going to be behind that window there and you'll have to walk down the hallway. So right now that our nurseries are closed off. Thankfully, uh, we caught it in time to turn it off so it wouldn't affect a lot of the church. So, uh, so just keep us in prayer on that, that God uh, directs our steps. Also, there is a, a wedding uh, on the 27th. And uh, yeah, I don't have the, yeah, give her a round of applause. Okay, I, I didn't grab the thing out on the foyer. Can you, can you? It's in the bulletin? Okay, so my wife says it's in the bulletin. Well, boy, there I go. Okay, so it's uh, at 4 p.m., ja uh, Jacqueline and Jacob, um, and it's at 4 p.m. at the, uh, the Ponda at Maple Farms, right? Uh, 998 Pleasant Road, Armour. So that's on the 27th at 4 p.m. Um, and I think it's outside, right? So dress warm. But it's supposed to be in the 50s, so hallelujah. All right, don't forget, March 3rd, we have our missionary, uh, 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 Terrence Harris, he's going to be here. He's one of our missionaries that we support, so he's going to be here that morning. And then we have our missions banquet, and we're still figuring out the time of when we're going to have that, but we'll have a missions banquet right th that afternoon, and so that evening. And so if you're able to make that missions banquet, that would be great. March 23rd, we're going to have an Easter egg hunt, yeah, and it'll be out here in the field. And then March 24th, uh, Brother Wooten, our uh, superintendent, is going to be here. Um, and then don't forget about Prime Timers, January 27th at noon uh, in the Fellowship Hall. Meal will be provided. And you can see Carol for that. Um, and she's over here. I'm going to put her on the... There she is. She's raising her hand there if you need to get, get any information for that. And then our Heart to Heart is the next one is February 20th. And, and it went pretty well, didn't it, Robin? 75 ladies. Praise the Lord. Hey, that's a blessing. <clears throat> Let me tell you about the heart to heart. It's churches from all over the community coming together and ladies ministering. That's what the kingdom's about. It's a kingdom minded. It's, it's not just us. It's the body of Christ coming together. That is awesome. I love that. And then let me see one more thing. We're going to be, uh, uh, if you're, we are on Rumble now. And it's Lone Grove AG. So if you don't have a Rumble account, you can set up a Rumble account. We're still on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Uh, but if you want to go uh, to the Rumble account, it's Lone Grove AG. And uh, on, on the Rumble, it's all one word. And it should be in your bulletin there. Don't forget, too, about our men's uh, breakfast. Uh, we just had one. The next one coming up is next month. And uh, it will be February 17th in the Fellowship Hall at 830. We have our youth group. And thank you for... Uh, Kim and Clint for doing the youth and and uh
Can we give them a round of applause? I'm putting them on the spot here a little bit. Listen, they put a lot of work into doing the youth group. And I think, did I cover everything? Did I get anything? Did I miss anything? I'm looking at my wife. Men, do you ever look at your wife to make sure you didn't forget something on the list? Okay. All right. If, if we can have our ushers at this time to come forward to take up our morning tithes and offerings. I'm going to have Clint pray. Amen. I got one. Okay. You want to get up on your feet? Father, we thank you this morning for being in this house, God. Father, we just want to give you our worship this morning and our praise. Father, just have your way in this service. Jesus, holy name we pray, amen. The greatest day in history, death is beaten, you have rescued me. Sing it out, Jesus is in The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal, you have won the day. Shout it out, Jesus is alive. He's alive, oh, happy day, happy day, you washed my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, forever I changed, when I stand Free and last, meeting face to face. I am yours, Jesus, you are. And this joy, perfect peace, earthly pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Oh, he's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day. Wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same. glorious way that you have saved me and oh what a glorious day what a glorious name Jesus and oh happy day happy day you wash my sin away oh happy day happy day be the same, oh, happy day, 
for what you're going to do in this service, Lord. We thank you for healing that will take place, God. We thank you for the peace that's going to settle in on this congregation, Father. Just have your way in this service, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. When I was lost and all alone your presence was where I found home. You were there and you're here right now. And every high and every low, you never left me without hope. You were good and you're good right now. I witnessed your faithfulness. Seen you breathe life within, so I pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all of it. Your promises never fail. I've got stories I left to tell, so I pour out my praise again. You're worthy, God, you're worthy of all. chose the cross, laid down your life to rescue us, the Savior then, the Savior now. But even death was not the end, you conquered hell so I could live, resurrecting then, resurrecting now. Resurrecting then, resurrecting now. 
exalt you this morning. We exalt who you are. Father, I think of the Shekinah glory that came into the temple. Lord, your glory is here. It's in us. You said the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are present. If two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in their midst. We exalt you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. Take a minute before the Lord. Let, let the Holy Spirit work on your heart this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. you're here this morning and you have a need and you need people to pray with you this morning I would like to invite you to come down to the altar this morning that's the Lord speaking do you have a need this morning something heavy on your heart would you just begin to make your way to the front and we'll pray for you we'll gather some ladies and some men together to pray for you for what your need is anybody else God knows what they are
with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus there's something about thanking God for something that he hasn't done yet so let's begin to give God thanks and praise for what he's going to do in people's lives God is the same yesterday today and forever he does not change so what he did in the Bible that we read these stories he does today, and we need to believe him for that. God bless you. You may be seated. Dismiss the kids to go back. I haven't done this for a while, but how many of you guys know this saying? God is good all the time, all the time. Okay, let's try it this way. I'll say God is good, you say all the time, and I'll say all the time, you say God is good. How's that work? All right. God is good all the time. Hey, there's nothing wrong with saying that. Yeah, hey, I, I've shared this before, but if you can get excited about your football team, you can get excited about Jesus. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go into my notes this morning. God has really laid this on my heart, and uh, the last couple days he's been I've been thinking about this. I was thinking about it this morning. And then our Sunday school was about this. So if you got your Bibles, would you please open up with me to Matthew 24. The title of the message this morning is just be ready. It's Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to read the whole chapter, so it's quite a few verses. Can you guys keep up? All right. And then we're going to pray. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called to his attention its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one stone there will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. 
You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. You will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you, stand, you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the re reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible, even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as the, its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, the generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what hour or what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come out an hour when you do not expect Him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the Master has put in charge of the servants of His household to give them food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose Master finds him doing so when he returns. I tell you the truth, He will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, My Master is staying away a long time. 
And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, as we study this passage of scripture this morning and we study the times of the end and the end of the age of grace and and the things that we're beginning to see in our lifetime, I pray, Father, you will open up our hearts and our understanding to see the times that we're living in today. Lord, time is short. And you're at the door, knocking at the door, ready to come get your bride. And there's so many things that are going to take place on this earth after we're taken out of here. God, I pray that you again open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive what your word says to, this, to us this morning. Again, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. God, speak through me, Holy Spirit, what you want to say to all of us today, that we would be ready for your return. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So you can just imagine this picture. Jesus is at the temple. And now you can go there today and you can see what they call the, the, the wailing wall. That's part of the temple. That was part of, of the wall and the temple was on top of that. And you can find the stones today that where the, where the Romans had pushed the stones off the top of the wall and onto the ground. And it created a, a, a dent in the ground. In fact, they have found the corner of where the temple was. Where the, where the watchman would sit and blow the trumpet. It's still there today. And so when Jesus makes this prophecy, he speaks about that happening 70 years later. So let's read verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came to him to call his attention to the buildings. And Jesus says this to them, Do you see all these things? He asked. I tell you the truth, no one, no one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. In fact, it's interesting because the, the, the temple had so much gold on it from King Herod that when the fire took place, when the Romans burned it, the gold melted down and all the Roman soldiers grabbed that gold and they dug inside the stones. That's why they pushed a lot of the stones out of the way. They were trying to get to the gold. We call them gold diggers. But Jesus prophesied this 70 years before it took place. This was on a place called Masada. And you can find it to there. There's a ramp that goes up to Masada, which is up on this hill where they built a ramp and they encircled the Jews and they killed them there. Jesus prophesies this and it happens. And then the disciples ask him another question. Look at verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, we call this the Olivet Discourse. And the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? When will what happen? When will the temple be destroyed? When will these buildings be knocked down? And then they say, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? The coming that he's talking about is what we call the second coming of Christ. It's at the end of the tribulation period. And he talks about how all earth is going to see it. Everyone's going to see him coming. Can I tell you, church, this morning, you do not have to be afraid of what we're going to read this morning. Some believers are afraid. You don't have to be afraid. If you're born again this morning, you will go in what we call the rapture of the church. And some people say, well, rapture's not in the Bible. Did you know in the Latin Bible it is? It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter uh, 1. And it uses the word harpazo. The Greek word is harpazo. But the Latin word is raptui. That we'll be caught up with him and meet the Lord in the air. In fact, hold your spot here and go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 
We might as well just read it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13. He says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That means those that have died. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Or to grieve like the rest of mankind or men who have no hope. Guys, we have hope this morning. We don't grieve like the rest of the world. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. How many of you believe that this morning? And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Those that have passed on, those that know Jesus. How many of you have relatives that knew Christ and they're in heaven right now? That's who he's speaking of. Verse 15, according to the Lord's own word. Whose words are these? Jesus's. These are his words. So if Jesus says it, we need to what? Believe it. We need to anticipate it. We need to expect it. According to the Lord's own word, Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together. There's that word, caught up together. The word caught up together is the Greek word harpazo. In the Latin, it's raptui. That's where we get the word what? Rapture. So if somebody says the word rapture is not in the Bible, it is too. Come on, church. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Guys, the rapture should be something we encourage each other with. So when we read Matthew 24, and if we don't get through all of it today, we can pick up next week. But here's the deal. Don't be afraid. If you know Jesus, if you're washed in the blood, filled with the Holy Spirit, you know Christ you're his, you're sealed, he's inside of you, he's marked you with ownership. When that trumpet calls, you're going. Does that give you confidence this morning? Boy, wouldn't that be great if it happened this morning? Hallelujah. Yes, you know the Bible says to say, come Lord Jesus. It does, we're supposed to pray that. How many of you guys pray, come Lord Jesus? Your kingdom come, your will be done, right, on earth as it is in heaven. So I want to read that scripture to encourage you before we get deeper into Matthew 24. Let's go back to Matthew 24. So Jesus is up on the Mount of Olives. He's sitting with his disciples privately. They ask him this question, when will, the, when will these stones be knocked down? And what will be the sign of your second coming? And then look what he says, and the end of the age. Now what's the age that he's describing there? We call that the age of grace, the church age. And you can find this in the book of Daniel. Daniel talks about 69 sevens. And then there's this, so 69 weeks. And then there's a 70th week that hasn't happened yet. We call that the tribulation period. So there's a gap. There's a time from the time that Jesus rose again and ascended to the heaven until he comes back to rapture the church. We call that the age of grace or the church age. Guys, we're in that church age. We're in that time. Be thankful that we're in the age of grace. Because when that door closes, you're in trouble. 
something that was mentioned in Sunday school this morning, and it's true, we should be ready all the time because you don't know when your last day is. Whether you're taken in the rapture or whether you die and take your last breath, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're going to heaven? Have you asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior? Have you turned from your sins? We call that repentance. And ask Him to fill your heart. That's what it means to be ready. So he says, the end of the age. Look at verse 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. The first thing that Jesus talks about in the last days is deception. Guys, we're seeing deception like we've never seen it before. I can't even watch the news anymore because I don't know who's telling the truth. And it doesn't matter who the politicians are. You can't believe them. Guys, I'm not picking on We're not being political here. But... Deceptions everywhere. How about this UFO stuff that's going on? I think they're demons. But come on, that's deception. Because you know what's going to happen? When the rapture takes place, they're going to think that we were all aliens and we were taken. You know, the Bible does say that we're sojourners, aliens going through. But the, the first thing Jesus says is don't be deceived. Be careful that you're not deceived. Be careful that you stick to sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is important. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Or 1 Timothy chapter 4. I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Please forgive me. I got to get my brain in order. Amen. Thank you, Brother Black. Look what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by what? Demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. We're being taught that today. How many of you guys know this, that this World Economic Forum, this, this climate change stuff, they want us to eat crickets. I'm serious. It sounds like conspiracy, but it's not. We have a, a game. Remember the life game, the game of life? So we have it. The old one, I, I, I wish I would have never thrown it away because it's got the nice plastic bridge you can go over. And, but we were going through the cards, and one of them says, crickets, the protein of the future. One of the cards says crickets, the protein of the future. Do you know some of them are putting it into food overseas because they think that eating cattle is wrong. That eating beef is wrong and it's polluting our earth. What does it say? What did he say about the end times? They will forbid you to not only marry. Oh, it's okay. You don't have to marry. You can, you can live in sin. You're okay. You'll be okay. No, God says we're to be, get married, right? It's better to marry than to burn with what? Passion. And then he says, and order them to abstain from certain foods. Foods that God created. God created the cow, and I like having a good steak. I'm a steak and potatoes guy. If they take my steak away from me, I'm going to go, I don't care. I, yeah, I better be careful what I say. But anyways. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4 now. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, 
verses 16 and 17, Paul speaks to Timothy and he says, all scripture is God-breathed. That means all the scripture that you and I are reading comes from God in him only. It's from him personally. He created, he gave it, his words will never pass away. All scripture, the Bible that you and I read is God's word. It's God-breathed. That means it's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4 says that. So all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then chapter 4, verse 1, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Here's the important thing. This keeps you from deception. Verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their, turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of the evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul, speaking to Timothy in what we call the pastoral epistles, talks about the later times. And he talks about sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means that Jesus died and rose again means that you and I can only be saved by putting our faith in Christ, turning from our sins. I mentioned that earlier. It's called being born again, a born of the Spirit. You and I can't earn our way. We can't do works to get into heaven. Jesus did it all. It's sticking to the, to the 66 books of this Bible and not turning from it. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Do not turn, uh, depart from this law. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Do not turn to the left or the right. But meditate on it day and night so that you will be successful, prosperous and successful. We need to stick to, stick to sound doctrine. The Bible's the truth. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Don't let people fill you with all these lies of all the things that they're teaching today. I preached a sermon, what, a few months ago, about six months ago, five months ago, on apostasy within the church. Apostasy comes from the word apostasia, which means to defect. We just read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that it says in later times, many or some will abandon the what? The faith. And the reason why they abandoned the faith is they, they, they abandoned the word of God. Guys, that's why the word is so important. If, if, if it's not found in the Word, we need to judge everything according to the Word of God. Do you know the Word is Jesus? John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, he was God in the beginning. And that Word is capitalized. When you read your Bible, you're reading Jesus. You want to stay away from deception in the last days, and we're seeing it. I'm going to ask for a show of hands. How many believe that deception's every, everywhere now? Yeah, the whole church. Let's go on. Go back with me, Matthew 24, verse 5. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, the word Christ there is, means the word anointed, the anointed one. 
Many are going to come saying, I've got it. I've got the answers. Look, look at my signs. Look at me. Listen, it's not about me. It's not about you, but it's about him. It's about Jesus. It's not about what we can do. It's about what he has already done. Guys, we can take no credit for what we do for Christ. He's the one that did it. Just be thankful we get to walk alongside of him, be a part of his, part of his plan. Yeah, that's a privilege. So oftentimes I tell my kids that. They'll go, that, uh, can we watch the TV? No, I, uh, yeah, but right, not right now. But it's our, no, it's not your TV. It's from your mom and I. It's your privilege to get to watch that. <laughs> Remind your kids that, remember? They said, I have a spot in my house. I'm sorry, there's one spot I don't share. Am I the only guy that does that? Maybe I'm being selfish, but I have one spot in my house. They know that's my spot. Every once in a while, I'll share it. Again, it's a privilege, right? Guys, there's only one person that we need to follow, and that's Jesus. Many are going to come claiming they got all the answers. Let me tell you, Jesus is the only one that has the answers, and the Bible is the only thing that has the answers. And if a pastor's not preaching the word, he's not doing his job. It's not about what I think. I could give you all my opinions this morning. I could give you all kinds of stories. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it needs to be thrown away. So Jesus says, not only do you need to watch out for those that are going to deceive you, there's going to be many that are going to come and, and they're going to deceive people, saying, claiming that they are the Christ, the anointed one, and they will deceive many. Look at verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of war, wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. I was watching uh, uh, CBN this morning. I think the only one of the news I watch is CBN, which is uh, from the 700 Club, their, their news. And they were talking about all that's going on, and we're hearing of World War III, and we're hearing of, uh, of Great Britain now maybe sending troops into Ukraine. And you know, How many of you guys have heard that already? Guys, wars and rumors of wars, North Korea doing what they're doing and they, they now they've got a, a, a drone that can go underwater to create tsunamis and it's a nuclear drone they've got satellites now and you're thinking of all this you're seeing everything start to ratchet up things are intensifying more than we've ever seen it before you can't ignore it the signs are there we're living in the end of that age and if we're not ready we'll be left behind Look at verse 7. Nation will rise against nation. Let me stop there for a minute. The word nation comes from the Greek word ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnic group. It means the blacks against the whites, the Hispanics against the blacks, the Asians. Do you see where I'm going with this? That's what it's talking about. Can I tell you, heaven's going to be made up of all kinds of tongues, tribes, and nations. But in the last days, you're going to see this intensified, where, where ethnic groups are going to be coming against each other. We're seeing that today. Then he goes on to say, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. That's what we would call nations today, but it's what we're seeing now, kingdom coming against each other and fighting. You can even read in the scripture, it says in the last days, the kings of the east will come will rise up we're seeing that china and india and these nations scripture is coming to life in our day guys we are living in the last days in fact 
Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. When it's talking about nation or ethnic groups rising against ethnic groups, this describes what the last days are. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says to Timothy, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the what? Last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. He marks out what it's going to be like. And how many of us would say this is what we see today? People are lovers of themselves. They love their money more than they love their fellow man. And how many of us know that nothing can fulfill this hole in our heart except for Jesus Christ? You can keep buying and buying and buying and you'll never have enough. You can keep getting, getting, getting and you'll never have enough. I have found when I moved I had to get rid of a lot of stuff. The stuff that I really cherished when I first got, I'm like, oh man, get rid of that. Am I the only one that's done that? You go to the, you know, you go to the dump yard and you get rid of stuff because you get you're tired of it accumulating. He talks about being boastful. Look what I've done. Look how great I am. We're proud. Nobody's gonna tell me what to do. I'm not gonna bow my knee to no man. How about this abusive? Do we see abuse today? How about kids being disobedient to their parents? I hear laughter going on here. <laughs> Man, that was a whole other subject maybe I need to teach on. But it's the truth. We see it more today. The things I see kids doing today, I would have never dreamed of. I, I think I shared last week, but my dad had a look. I remember one Christmas year, we were at Kmart. Remember the old blue light special sales? And I remember being at Kmart, my sister and I, were, we were going to blows, man. I've only hit my sister twice, once when she was 12, and I got a lot of trouble for that. And that time when we were in the store, she started kicking me, and you know how siblings do, they, she kicked me and I kicked her back, she hit me and I hit her back. And my dad just, my dad has that voice. I don't have that voice, I wish I did. Well, that's one thing I didn't inherit from. He just asked, hey, you know. He didn't even talk that day. He just looked at us. It was that look, and you knew. Not today. You got kids burning cities. Have you heard of, of these mob, mobs of these kids going and just beating up people, running through cities because there's no discipline? There's, dis, there, there's no discipline. There's disobedient to parents. That's what it's going to be like, and that's what it is, and we're seeing it. How about ungrateful? Not happy with what God's given you. Being thankful for the things that God's blessed you with. How many of us complain? How about unholy? Unholy means just doing things that are unholy and ungodly, and I, we don't need to go into all that. You probably can just think about what it is. How about the stuff on TV? I can't believe the things that they say. I watched the movie yesterday and I, I was so appalled at it. 
because they took God's name in vain. How about without love? Do you see, and, and you know, Paul is speaking to those within the church here. Do you know this was written to a church, to a pastor for a church? Do we have love for one another? How about unforgiving? How about slanderous? We call that gossip. Without self-control. How about brutal? Self-control can involve a lot of things. We often think of losing your temper, but what about gluttony? Or, or, or having too much of something. The Bible says anything that masters you is sin. Not lovers of good. They don't like good things. How about treacherous? That means, that we, we call that uh, stabbing somebody in the back. Marcus Brutus, right? Everybody knows history, right? Rash, making rash decisions. Conceited, again, it's all about me, me, myself, and I. Lovers, now here's the interesting, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. But I go to church, pastor. Pastor, I, I do this. But they do things that are contrary to the word of God. That's called having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Boy, it's really quiet now. Listen, we're all in the same boat. We all need to keep an eye. Uh, Jesus talked about take the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck of sawdust out of your brother's eye. That goes for me too. When I'm preaching this this morning, it's not just you, it's me. So let's go back to Matthew. So he says in verse 7, Matthew 24, verse 7, nation will rise against nation, ethnic group against ethnic group, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. You know the, the rise, they've done, uh, some, some pastors have done a, a study of this, and, and, the, and the increase of natural disasters have skyrocketed in the last 50, 60 years. The billions of dollars that we've spent. How about the polar vortex that keeps coming down to Oklahoma? I remember moving out here in the early 90s in 1991, and we didn't have air conditioning in the middle of summer. Boy, I would have loved to have a polar vortex then. And it was cold, but we never had cold snaps like this. And earthquakes in various places. You know, we just had an earthquake in Edmond just, to, just about a week ago. It's happening worldwide more often than it has happened before. And then look at this. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Jesus is saying that what we're experiencing right now is birth pains. I could just imagine how it's going to be when we get into the tribulation period. Now, when you read the book of Matthew, this is what we call synopsis of the book of Revelation. So there's some things in here that Jesus talks about that are in the, in, the, in the tribulation period. But there's other things later on that speak of us being ready before that happens. So let's go farther. Verse 9, he says, Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Do you know that, that there's been more martyrs in the 20th century and the 21st century than all the centuries put together since Jesus ascended to heaven? There used to be a, a, a museum in Tulsa, and they had all crosses of all those that were martyred. 
And they had the bags and, and, and things and, uh, that belonged to people that were martyred for Christ. We're seeing that. Persecution's coming to America. It's already started. And it's a true fact. If you look at history, I love history. But any time they ever took sp uh, free speech away, the next thing that happened is genocide. Did you hear that? The, when they take your speech away, you read history, you see it every time that they take your, your speech away. Genocide happens. Dictatorships happen. Tatar, I can't even say that word, totalism or whatever you say it. Hallelujah, I'm glad there's some words I can't say. Then look at verse 10. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. One of the things that Timothy says is many will abandon the faith. Jesus says many will turn away from the faith. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says that there will be a great falling away or apostasy from the faith. Then the man of lawlessness will be revealed. We're seeing that today. We're seeing people turn from the faith. Prominent people, a guy from a Moody Bible Institute, he was a professor just recently, about six months ago, came out and said, I don't even accept the Christian faith anymore. I've turned from the faith. Famous Christian singers that are turning from the faith. One of which says, I've deconstructed my faith. We're living in those days, and if we can't see it, then we had better be prepared because we're going to be left behind if you're not ready. It says that not only will they turn away from the faith, but they will hate and betray each other. Guys, I pray that as a church we don't do that to each other. If we have hurt or anger, let's reconcile. All of us. And then it says, and we'll betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Now listen, I believe in prophecy. I believe God still uses prophecy. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14. Well, 13 is about the love of it. Anything you do should be with love. But chapter 12 talks about prophecy. In fact, chapter 14 says, I'd rather you prophesy than speak in tongues. That's the Bible. Now I speak in tongues, but prophecy edifies the whole church. I believe in prophecy. But in the last days, you're going to have a bunch of false prophets. Be wearied. What did Jesus say? Do not be what? Deceived. You're to, you're to discern. You're, you're, to, you're to take it to the Word of God. It's interesting, too. Some people say, well, that stuff ended with the apostles. Do you know the book of Acts means the acts of the Holy Spirit? And the miracles and stuff that took place in it happened over a 30-year period? And God's still doing miracles? I've seen them. I've witnessed them. Hallelujah. Maybe one of these mornings we just need to have a testimony. Yeah, they used to call it testify time. Of people that have been healed and touched. We had a young lady up in, when I was in Upton. She had a big mass on her shoulder and the doctors were 98% sure that it was cancer. We began to pray and we began to pray and we began to pray. And when they went, they took it out. It was benign, and the doctors were shocked, and they said, I can't believe it. It didn't even affect any of her nerves. It didn't do any damage. It just took it out, and the doctors were 100% sure. Well, I said 98%, so that's pretty close, right? That it was cancer, and she was healed. We had another guy that had cancer on his face. He was a rancher, and we were praying for him, and as he was riding his horse, and I always love to hear him say, oh, I was down in a draw. 
He said he was writing and that cancer spot just fell right off of his face. God's still in the miracle working business and he's still into prophetic words and the gifts of the Spirit. But we also have to have a discerning spirit. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit because not everything is from God. Notice it says, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Again, he's speaking to the church. Verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. We're kind of getting into the, again, this is a synopsis of the tribulation period. But can I say that you and I who endure to the end will be saved? We are saved if we're born again. But the Bible says hold firm or hold fast the confession of your faith. Look at this, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Hey, did you know that we have spread the gospel to almost every nation on earth? There's still a few left. I don't know how many how many translations the Bible's in. I used to, we used to have the Gideons come every year and we would go to the Gideons uh, conference and they would bring uh, their Bibles and share with the church. And, and the Bible has been translated into almost every language. I'm not saying every nation's been reached, but listen, we're getting awfully close. Verse 15 is talking about in the halfway of the middle of the tribulation. Now again, Jesus is giving a synopsis, and it's interesting because John speaks about it. Daniel speaks about it. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on his roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant woman and the nursing mothers. So here you go. This is talking about, and if you ever read the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel, three and a half years into the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to stand up in the temple. There's going to be a temple built. Hey, let me share something with you. How many of you guys know that Sanhedrin has just been reformed? It was reformed back in 2004. The 70 members, after 2,000 years, the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was the ruling body for Israel. Now, they're not the ruling body right now, but they've been reformed. Do you know they've been doing lamb sacrifices every year? Do you know they got five red heifers now that are without spot and wrinkle that they wanted to do sacrifices? I just learned this morning the reason why Hamas attacked them is because they didn't want them to do those sacrifices. And, and if you understand the red heifer, when they sprinkle, it's supposed to cleanse all Israel of sin. Listen, that happened on the cross. They don't see it yet. But it, the system's already in place. Do you know the Temple Institute has all the, all the stuff for the temple already, except for the Ark of the Covenant? And they believe that they know where it's at. The Bible speaks in Revelation that the outer court where the temple is going to be built is going to be given to the Gentiles. So somewhere up on that temple mount, the new temple is going to be built. And the outer court is still going to be for the Gentiles. The Antichrist is going to make a covenant with many for seven. Confirm, that word confirm, it means to strengthen a covenant. And in the middle of those three and a half years, he's going to stand up in the middle of the temple and he's going to say he is God. He's going to declare himself God. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, we haven't seen that yet, and hopefully we don't see it, because if you're born again, you will be raptured. I believe that. 
Verse 18, let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant woman and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter on the Sabbath because in Israel, even to this day, everything shuts down for Shabbat, which is the Sabbath day. Verse 21, for then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. The tribulation period is going to be so bad that God's going to have to cut it short or all mankind would be destroyed. It's going to be so bad it will be unequaled then from the time that God ever created man and the earth. Go with me to Luke 21 real quick. Luke 21. Luke 21 is what we call the temple discourse. It's this, Jesus is repeating the same thing that he said in the Olivet course, discourse. I want to start in verse 20 real quick. He says, when you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Guys, what's going on today? Now, that hasn't happened yet, but you're seeing an escalation of it, aren't you? Do you know there's only been one culture of people that have kept their ideas and kept, and it's not just ideas, it's biblical ideas, it's, it's God's ideas. There's only one nation of people that have survived for 2,000 years after being spread, like the Bible says, God spread the Jews to the, to the four corners of the earth. And then he says in the last days, he's going to bring them back. He started bringing them back after World War II. In fact, he started bringing them back before that, but he really started bringing them back after World War II after the Holocaust. So look at this. He says, verse 21, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city gate, or the city get out, and let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. Now look at this. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women, nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against this people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and stars on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift, lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. He told him this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things, be, things happening, you know that the kingdom of God is near. I tell you the, the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. When did the fig tree blossom? 1947, 48. The fig tree often represents Israel. He says this generation will not pass away the coming of these things that are happening. Now, I don't know the day or the hour. The Bible says no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus is coming back. But I believe that we can see the signs and the things that are beginning to happen, that he is at the door, he's knocking, he's ready to come back and get his bride. And the tribulation period is coming. 
We're seeing it. The increase of wickedness. The signs of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah are happening throughout the world. It's happening. He said it would be like in the days of Noah and of Lot. What was happening in Noah's day? Every inclination of their mind and thoughts was evil and wicked. The days of Lot, homosexuality was on the rise. We're seeing that worldwide. Boy, it's a somber feeling in here today. It's really quiet, so it must be really hitting you guys. Listen, this is good. We need to hear this. A lot of pastors need to preach on this because we are living in those times, and if we're not ready or prepared, we're going to be taken by surprise. I love what he says here. He says, when you begin, verse 28, when these things, I like the King James Version, when you begin to see these things happen, the word begin literally means when you see the tip of the iceberg, when you see the beginning of these things, lift up for your redemption draws nigh. I get goosebumps. I just got goosebumps thinking about that. We're beginning to see it, so we're going to be the ones to hear that trumpet call. I believe it. I really do. People tell me, well, that they thought that when Hitler was around. Can I tell you there's a difference between that time and this time? We have the technology today for the mark of the beast. I, I don't know if I shared it last week, but I, I shared it on Sunday night that we're one of those nations, several nations have agreed to do now uh, scanning, uh, face, face scanning and hand, palm hand scanning. Why the hand in the face? Revelation 13 says you won't be able to buy or sell without what? The mark. Now that's not the mark yet, but they're conditioning people for it. They're condi Why six feet? Boy, we're probably going to get kicked off Facebook for this one. But why? Why? Why can't it be five feet or seven feet? What's the number of man? I don't think they purposely did it. I think it just, God knows. Am I the only one that thinks about these things? Sometimes I just start thinking about it. It's conditioning. When, 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 when that whole COVID thing was going on, I remember I had to go on to visit some people in the hospital and they would take my temperature. Where? Right there. One of them, you just stood in front of this thing and it would measure your temperature. The technology's there. Elon Musk talks about putting a chip in your head. Do you know they got the technology now for telepathy where they can read your thoughts? I don't know how that works, but they do. It's true. It's not conspiracy theory. We used to think, oh, that's conspiracy. No, it's there. Guys, I don't want to know what you're thinking. That's God's job. I have a hard enough time handling my thinking. And sometimes it's stinking thinking. But he talks about this fig tree. When it sprouts, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Guys, the time is near. It's happening. I'm going to read one passage out of this. Go back with me to Matthew 24 before we close and we may pick up next week. But this is important for you and I. Look at verse 36. Jesus tells them, no one knows. Remember they asked him, when will this all happen? 
No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. My girls have asked, well, doesn't Jesus know if he knows the... Listen, just like a home, you got the father, the wife, and the kids, right? God's got order. And God knows. Jesus said only the Father knows. So if somebody sets a date for Jesus coming back, run. Nobody knows the day or the hour. We can see the signs and the seasons, but it's still maybe, I pray that it's within the next few years, but it could still be 20, 30 years. We don't know. I still think it's going to be sooner than that, but again, that's my theory. That's my conjecture, but some of you guys might have a different thought. But he says this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. They're going to go about their business. They're not even going to be aware that Jesus is coming back. More and more, they, they did a study, only 25% of the church today preaches the pre-tribulation rapture. I've heard one person say, well, that was Darby's deal. No, Darby just popularized it. A guy by the name Darby. You can go back to some of our old uh, church fathers, and it is in their writings about the pre-tribulation rapture. So he says, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving into marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Let me tell you something. Noah preached righteousness to them, so he preached the truth to them. They just didn't believe him. They, they, they brushed him off. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says, In the last day there will be scoffers that come scoffers scoffing and mocking. The word scoff means to mock. Oh, we've heard that our whole life. How many of you guys have heard this your whole life? Raise your hand. Listen, don't mock it. It'll happen. If you mock it, you just fulfill prophecy. Okay. A couple people got that. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And... and, and in Thessalonians, though, here's the wonderful thing about it. It says that you and I who are believers are not of the night, we're of the day. For this to take us by surprise. You and I aren't to be taken by surprise. That's what it says in 2 Thessalonians. That we should be prepared for this. That we know that he's going to be coming soon by seeing the signs. We're not going to be the ones that are caught off guard. And here's another interesting thing about that. Paul says they'll be talking about peace and security. What are they, the, you know the slogan for the UN is peace and security? Do you know what they constantly talk about in the Mideast? Peace and I mean, they just pulled that right out of the Bible. Final few verses, look at verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant? whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time. First of all, let's, let, let's, let's see this thing here. First, he calls him master. Second, he's called faithful. 
And then he calls him a servant. So who then is the faithful and wise servant? He's a wise servant. He's, he, this servant calls this man the master, which is Jesus. And, and Jesus has put him in charge of the servants of his household to give them their food at the proper time. So that's speaking of somebody that knows God. The word Lord means master. Is Jesus your Savior and your Lord? Then he's your master. Then he says this, It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. So what are we supposed to do while we're waiting? Are we supposed to do this? No, we're be to be about the Father's business. We're to be reaching people for the gospel. I was at Jersey Mike's just not yesterday, the day before, and I shared the gospel with a young man. And I love how God works it. I get just enough time. There was nobody in there. I share. And right when I finished, people came in. Hallelujah. God knows. He's perfect timing. I just love the way he does things. Verse 47, I tell you the truth. He will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Look at verse 48. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master, notice he calls him my master, is staying away a long time. And then he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. At an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's a scary thought. Anytime you read where it says a weeping and gnashing of teeth, it literally means hell. You're weeping and you're gnashing your teeth out of the torment. So when he says that, he's saying that you and I, we need to be faithful to the Lord because Jesus is going to say, well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. So that's a call for all of us. Are, are we doing what God's called us to do? Are we walking in love? Are we walking in forgiveness? Are, are, we, are we acting like Christ? And I understand none of us are perfect. Raise your hand if you're perfect this morning. Hallelujah. There's only one that's been perfect. But God's working in us. And we need to be faithful to what God has. Hold on till the end. He is faithful. Just a word of encouragement because I end with that and you're like, oh, pastor, that's, a, that's tough. Yeah, it can be tough. But for Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it. Stay in the boat. Stay in the relationship. With every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. You know, the gospel often offends sometimes. It'll make us uneasy in the spirit if we're not right with the Lord. But that's a good thing. That's the Holy Spirit knocking at your heart. That's the Holy Spirit knocking at your heart. Saying, will you invite me in? Are you here this morning and do you know without a shadow of doubt that you're saved? Or are you here this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure. The Bible says that we can be sure of our salvation. Are you sure that you're ready for him to come back? Are you sure you're ready if you took your last breath today that you'll be in heaven? I don't like leaving a service without at least giving an opportunity for you to come to Christ. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. 
It may be scary at first, but the minute you take that step, the minute you take that step of faith and invite Christ into your life, he will take that shame and that guilt and that burden off of you. But it takes a step of faith. You have to believe that he died on the cross, that he rose again, and that he's the son of the living God, and you have to turn from your sin. We call that repentance. And surrender your life to him, and that's when salvation begins. Are you here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I'm not sure about my salvation, but I want to make sure today would you just slip up your hand right where you're at? Anybody? Everybody's saved. You're, you're saved. Thank you. Anybody? All right, I'm going to do this, and I'd like to do this, and I'm going to put you on the spot. All right, if you're saved and you know it, raise your hand. Okay, those that didn't raise their hand, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm not going to force you into a decision because the Holy Spirit will never do that. Nobody was looking around, so it was just me. I'm the only one that knows in the Holy Spirit. Father God, I pray for those people that didn't raise their hand. You love them. It's not about guilting them into the heaven. It's about loving them into the kingdom, Lord. You love them, and you don't want them to go to a place where there's separation from all eternity. I pray, Father, that those that didn't raise their hand this morning, that you will begin to nudge at their heart, that you will begin to speak to them, that you begin to show them that you love them and that you have a plan for them and a purpose for them. Father, I pray for all of us here this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stay ready, to stay in the faith, to stay in the Word, to stay filled with the Holy Spirit, and to be about your business, which is reaching the lost, finding out what our giftings are, asking you, stepping into giftings, I pray that this morning as we enter into our mission field as we leave these doors this morning. And Lord, again, for those that didn't raise their hand, God, give them divine appointments. Keep knocking at the door of their hearts. And Lord, we thank you for this wonderful, beautiful day in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Guys, I love you. God bless you. Again, remember, we have no service tonight due to the weather. It's supposed to be pretty uh, icy tonight. So God bless you. Have a great week. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you.